yo, yo, welcome to the hip-hop version of Pulp Fliction. Oh my gosh. Best intro ever. I'm white. So is Brandon. No, Very much so. That's what he's making. Oh, okay. He is making fun of me. Rachel's white too. Yeah. Welcome to Pulp Fliction, your favorite movie podcast. We are reviewing straight out of Compton this week, yo. I am <laughs> Brandon Rabar, your uh, weekly host, and I am joined as always by Jacob Crisp and Rachel Jameson. And uh, I personally am pumped about this week's movie, the uh, origin story of NWA. Uh, we are a spoiler podcast, so if you don't enjoy spoilers, <laughs> then you won't want to listen because we're going to spoil this all over the place. I heard you been spending a lot of time at your auntie house. How's the couch life? Got my woman and my baby living there. It's hard, man. But you know, everybody can't do what you do. Really, what I do getting played out, Dre. Where the money at? Why you gotta be so ruthless, cuz? I'll make a few changes. Where you think you're going? I'm just trying to get home. That's my son. You need to get back in the house or I will ruin your life. Why you gotta talk to my moms like that? You had the chance to change the situation. Would you take it? Just hit that first beat hard, all right? You cruising down the street. All right. Cruising down the street in my 6 foot. Hey, that was dope, eh? You're listening to Compton's very own Ice Cube, Easy e and Dr. Dre. I got to tell you, you are witnessing history. People are scared of you guys. You have a unique voice. The world needs to hear it. They want N.W.A.? Let's give them N.W.A. This is only the tip of the iceberg, gentlemen. What's going on? What do you have in that bag? Are you kidding me? You can't take that in the bus. This song glamorized gangs and drugs. Our art is a reflection of our reality. You guys supposed to be somewhere? These are artists. Rap is not an art. You cannot come down here and harass my clients because of what they look like. I promise you, things are going to be different. From here on out. Listen, to be honest with you, I don't know anything about hip-hop, but I know that you're special. You want to be involved with this gangster life? Here we go. Speak a little truth and people lose their mind. This isn't the Crips and Bloods. This is a threat from the federal government. They're trying to tell us what we can't play. This ain't you right. Yo, Drake. What up? I got something to say. We can keep going, man. We can take over the goddamn world. Got a little dust of wind and I'm dead. Believe in memory, no one will be forgetting. So as I leave, believe I'm stopping. But when I come back, boy, I'm coming straight out of town. Here is the uh, synopsis of this movie. The group NWA emerges from the mean streets of Compton and Los Angeles, California in the mid-1980s and revolutionizes hip-hop culture with their music and tells about life in the hood. That is definitely written by a white guy. Yes, it was. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, directed by F. Gary Gray, who is known for Friday, which is his first movie, which is funny, written by Ice Cube. Also, The Negotiator and The Italian Job, and uh, stars a bunch of unknowns. Ice Cube Jr. as Ice Cube, uh, Corey Hawkins as Dr. Dre, Jason Mitchell as Easy e unknown man named Paul Giamatti as Jerry Heller, and uh, Neil Brown as DJ Yella, and Aldous Hodge as uh, MC Ren. So, Jacob, Rachel, initial thoughts on Straight Outta Compton? I think the thing to firstly note here is that we're all white, we're all from... Uh, white flight communities and that sort of thing. Uh, that being said, I think rap is a big part of our culture, whether we're not a part of, you know, East L.A. and all that, which so, you know, forgive us while we don't know everything about the personal life of how it is growing up, you know, in the hood, say whatever. It just sounds terrible even when I say it. <laughs> I mean, so fine. Living a rough life. But don't think that this music didn't have an impact of our lives growing up. That's kind of kind of. Uh, one thing I want to say. Another thing I want to say is it's going to be really hard to talk about this movie 
when all I want to do is talk about the music and the history of this. Right. Of this. Yeah. So please bear with us because I have a feeling that's going to happen a lot. Oh, coming absolutely. Up. Um, because I was I was so jacked watch, watching this entire movie. Oh, yeah. I, I it was so much fun, and I think a lot of it was because of the nostalgia behind it. But from a directing standpoint, I actually thought it was really well done as well. It's crazy to believe that this the F. Gary Gray, his first movie was Friday. Right. When you think about it. And you know, he went on to do find the negotiator and, you know, the Italian job. But like, you know, there's a pretty good directing going on, especially in the beginning you see a lot of steady cam. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, kind of throughout I guess the early part of their you know, forming their band and, and you know, kind of on the street and whatnot. It was like an origin story. It was almost like a comic book origin it's, story because you meet was. each character, for lack of a better, or each uh, team member in like a little origin story at the beginning. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it certainly was that. But then, like, as it goes on and they're on stage, you definitely see, like, flyover cameras and it more being, um, the, the camera being more strict and that sort of thing. So I thought it was a really well-rounded movie directing-wise. Writing-wise, I wanted to point out that Alan Winkus has has really never written anything else. He's the one who developed the story, not the screenplay. Hmm. Now, he is in the process of writing another movie uh, about George Jones that there's not even a release date on it yet, so it could be really interesting. The other two screenwriters are uh, Andrea Berloff, who wrote World Trade Center, and Jonathan Herman, who who hasn't written anything else as far as Hmm. screenplay goes. So really, between the actors, um, the writers, there's so many newbies that I was just kind of impressed with impressed with uh, all around um, I think clearly the actors were probably cast because they looked like certain guys and by yeah. the way O'Shea Jackson Jr that is a walking ice it's cube first off I, mean, I didn't even know it was his kid and I was like where do they find this guy <laughs> <laughs> well alright well, like, halfway through the movie I, I looked it up and I was like oh well that certainly makes sense because I, I could not get over how they nailed Ice Cube did not know that was his son no actually Ice Cube nailed this guy's <laughs> mom <laughs> and that's how he was formed <laughs> he did. Um, so it's clear to say that I, I really liked it I was super passionate when I walked out of the theater I actually had to leave in the middle of the restroom and I, it was a good time that I did because I think all it was was the scene where Suge Knight proposed to Dr. Dre to be his you know, bodyguard or whatever. Oh, yeah. Because I was like running to the bathroom and back because I didn't want to miss anything. So right. I was clearly invested. Um, and it was just... Rap was a big part of my teenager years. I'm, I mean, so was alternative rock. But I'm sorry, in this day and age, especially from anyone who's listened... Well, I'd say like, I was 10 in 1990. So rap was a big part of my life, and we can kind of get into some of the music stuff later. But it was this and like straight out of Seattle would be like the perfect like bookend for you. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I mean, seriously, I talk about two different worlds that everyone in my age was listening to. Everyone was. Oh yeah. And for that, I loved this movie. Now, look, I know people. uh, I've already heard a friend of mine call it. Um, a made-for-TV movie, and to an extent, I understand that and agree. Maybe a glorified, you know, in a glorified way, but I don't care. I love the music. I love the the bio, the biography, uh, the story. Uh, the I, I loved it. It was great. Mm-hmm. Rachel, what do you think? I loved it. I I am a little bit different than you guys. I did not grow up listening to NWA because in the mid '80s, I was like two. Or three, or somewhere in there. I did so, not. Was that an age jab? It was. <laughs> I, like I thought was. I'd get it in early, especially God. on Brandon. I was going to say, I'm even in on that one. <laughs> you'll have Talk another about one. your all time backfire. <laughs> you'll, have... <laughs> you'll have another one coming from Jacob later, I'm sure. Uh, but I didn't grow up listening to NWA. What I know of NWA has probably actually come through Brandon because he's a big NWA fan, which we'll get to in a minute. Uh, but I was really fascinated. I really love the history of music. I'm really passionate about music and I, and I do really like rap music. So kind of seeing where I know that I see kind of came right before them and had like the first gangster rap song, but the NWA was the thing. And I still, I do remember the F the police being a big deal. Um, even at that young of an age, I remember that being a huge deal and being all over the media everywhere. So this was kind of a fresh thing to me in a lot of different ways, but I thought it was great. I'm sure a lot of, I mean, like credit to the director and the writers and everything, but they're like, they had a million consultants. Everybody that was in this movie, other than Eazy-E, obviously, 
was a consultant on this movie and Easy E's family was there. So I'm I'm sure a lot of um, them nailing the characters and the writing being great and the directing and all that probably had a lot to do with the fact that there were so many people that actually lived it on set all the time directing these people. So I thought it was fantastic. Brandon, go. Hey, I want to say something real quick. Sorry, that was faster than I thought it was going to happen. Um, did we mention that Ice Cube and Dr. Dre were producers on this? Did you say uh, that? I'm not sure if we... I don't think they, we mentioned They were, that, but... and so was uh, Tamika Wright, uh, Easy oh, okay. Widow. Okay, that's kind of important to note, to spin off of what uh, Rachel just said, because you can tell they paid attention to detail in this movie. Oh, yeah. And that, that's all I wanted to say. Well, everything was so factual. I'm one of those guys that after I see a movie that's based on a true story, I get kind of obsessed with reading about the true story. Here's the thing. I already knew this story frontwards and backwards. I I was a big NWA fan. I'll get into that a little bit more later. Uh, it is hard not to talk about the music part of it. Uh, uh, but I knew the story really well. And so that's why I was really jacked about this movie coming out. And, I mean, from down to individual scenes and conversations how everything went down it's pretty much how it went down you know most hollywood movies try to kind of dramatize for hollywood purposes and things like that but the story of nwa is truly represented in this movie and to me that was awesome it's kind of a made for hollywood story anyways it's so much drama like Rags to Riches one in the LBC trying hard yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's this Rags to Riches kind of underdog story it's almost like a Scarface story because he's, he's a drug dealer he you know achieves fame and, and fortune and all these things in you know, all these personal relationships and all this fame but then you know they start to break up and, and the feuds in between and then they reconcile a tragic ending but then a happy ending at the same time and they captured it all really well in this movie. That's all I was was looking for. I knew the music was going to be great, and I knew I would like the quote unquote characters because I liked their real life counterparts. But they truly told the story, which is my main concern. I'll be honest; it's probably my number one movie of the year so nice. far. And there's been some good movies this year. It's probably moved past Ex Machina and uh, Inside Out as my new number one. That's a quite the trio. It's, it's side trio. out. Well, it straight is a out diverse of group. Yeah, it is. It's actually pretty much the same with me. I is think. it? Yeah. It's not my number one, but I mean, though, all those that are up there. So yeah, can't wait for our top ten. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I, I, let me uh, say this real quick. In 1988, you know, I was, I didn't listen to NWA. I was, I was roughly aware of, you know. Fuck the Popo and a couple of their songs because... I like how you, I like he edited it. He edited well, it. Yeah, it's, it's a policeman. <laughs> is it not called Popo? Is it police? It's, it's a police. police. Oh, well. It's funny because he changed the police part of it. See, there you go. What I did know was Dr. Dre when his single album came out, you know, Chronic and, right. and uh, uh, Easy e which... I'll come back to his music later. Uh, Ice Cube I didn't really quite know outside of, you know, uh, Boys in the Hood. Um, not Boys in the Hood. Uh, uh, it was a good day. Oh, yeah, it was a good uh, day. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't really learn that much about NWA till probably in my late teens to early 20s. Like, oh, they are together. There were just some things that were way over my head at a young age. But everyone around here, this is the gossip part of it, was just enticed by the drama. Mm -hmm. And I'm not even talking about Tupac and Notorious B.I.G. because I think that's the most famous one. Mm -hmm. But between what was going between, and everyone assumed it was between Dre and Ice Cube. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, Easy E, mm -hmm. because of Easy E's uh, real motherfucking G's. Uh, that song, which I was shocked was not in the movie. I was shocked that they didn't have that or uh, Dre Day. Well, because yeah. Dre Day actually or came. Dre Day. Dre Day came first, and then Easy E responded. I didn't even know there was uh, an Ice Cube one where he where he yeah talks, no Vaseline talks yeah. yeah so uh, you know I kind of learned a couple things in this movie. Well, there's a lot of an there's a lot of answers. Uh, I. I for questions that I had growing up, I always had rumors that they were not as bad as 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 the rumors made out. That Dre and Easy E were friends, you know, in the end. But it, the way the movie movie portrays it, they were never enemies to begin with. And so I found that really interesting, and it was something that I'm glad they answered uh, from a, at least like a a dumb kid you know, in the '90s wanting to know. No, you're right though. The and this one... is where I'm glad you know this stuff. Oh, I know this stuff front and backwards. The one thing that they did 
kind of glossed over, and I'm not sure why. I think it was because they had already covered the whole, you know, ice cubes, no Vaseline, as a response to a small disc that NWA had towards him being a Benedict Arnold. And so he came back with no Vaseline. And then the story kind of moved forward. But there was a big chunk that they left out with Dre Day when Chronic came out. But again, I understand that because... You know, you got a two and a half hour movie, and they've kind of already covered feuds. They really did. So, so I think that the bigger story now is, hey, Dre is like surpassing, you know, fame wise, and Easy is like on this down slope. You know, but there was some feuding more between Dre Day and Real Motherfucking G's. But it was interesting that they didn't cover that. I just feel like maybe like oh, that would have been an extra twenty minutes. Of, they, it could have been that, and it could have been kind of like, I, I don't know, they all made their peace with Easy e and why, I mean, like, that subject was kind of covered. Everybody kind of knows they, there was more to that feud, but in the end, it didn't really matter anyway, so yeah. why spend more time on that? I but yeah, know. they were friends, but they, no, they really beefed with each other. The Chronic, specifically with Dre Day, I mean, it's it's the entire song and videos and attack on Easy E, right. and then Easy E's room on the fucking I remember Easy E's is the uh, same with Dre. Uh, his video when it came out, and he was just oh no, it was Dre Day when he was making fun of Easy yeah. E. Yeah, um, I remember that. Too, There's even somebody was... like dressed up as Easy yeah. E in the video, and, and somebody uh, that's supposed funny. to be Jerry, and they call him Sleazy E in the video, and then right. there's a Jerry Heller character. For me, <laughs> my history with it was. I knew about NWA growing up, but I didn't necessarily listen to them a lot. I thought they were kind of like, whoa, they're like hardcore. But when I got my first job at Homeland as a as a bagger, uh, two black guys that I worked with uh, kind of took me, 16-year-old kid, under the wing and like like taught me. I was kind of like Daniel's son, and <laughs> Kevin and Tyrone were my Mr. Miyagi's uh, when it came to the rap world. And they started off my education with The Chronic, and not young and then, mc or mc hammer yeah, no no right. it was like the real stuff that's and what then i we, started out listening to and then we worked back <laughs> with nwa no i got the, like the real stuff uh, <laughs> so i became fascinated with it then so i've you know i've been really really you know into the whole you know dramatic part and the music ever since brandon's so gangsta that's what he's trying to say is that he's just he's been gangsta since 16 <laughs> No, I feel like I you're scared. kind of bragging about. I know it backwards and forward, guys. I know no, everything just, no. about hey, it. Hey, this was like it was. I've been excited about this movie for months you and have months been. and months. I've I've been you know talking about it to anybody that would listen. And I thought we we talked about this off air. I thought it was going to be this kind of underground indie movie that me and ten other people were going to be excited about. And then it made sixty million dollars in its first weekend. Yeah, I think it's awesome and, what and, it made the first weekend for being a rated R movie about a biography for a time period that only few people really kind of understand. Right. Yeah, but it but it was you know you hit the nostalgia factor, and it's kind of this generation's first biopic. You know, as far as you know, you'll see these. Walk the Line or Ray, all these musicians, like these legendary musicians that were, you know, really famous 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And this is kind of our first generation's biopic about, you know, Dr. Dre is so huge and everybody knows his influence from Snoop Dogg to Eminem, 50 Cent. And then, I mean, of course, everybody knows Easy and, of course, Ice Cube as well. So it also landed at a very poignant time when we're dealing with a lot of race issues again. Right. Um, and so the timing of it worked out really well. That's something that everybody's feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Um, just really the injustice that's happened. That between, crossed my mind watching the movie, actually. Yeah, and I and I the think riot part in L.A. Right, yeah. exactly. And the same. I mean, like watching, it, I was like, yeah, fuck the police. Like <laughs> that's so messed up. But that's the same stuff that's happening right now. So it falling at this, which is actually kind of hard to believe. Yeah, yeah that we haven't. All this. Well, because and you it was happening it. in the 60s, and then it happened, I mean, it, like, reemerged and came to the light again in the 80s, and now it's coming to light again now. Well, and you're just disgusted. Like, they show a video of the Rodney King beating, and you're just disgusted by it. And I remember when it happened, and I was disgusted then. And then you watch it now, like, how backwards were we then? And we're like, well, crap. How doing kind the of same crap? stuff. So what's it going to be, yeah. like, 10 years from now? Right, exactly. Or, shoot, 20 years from now. Yeah, it's just nuts. So I think it resounds with us on the level of we were alive when a lot of this was happening. But it's also resonating with a lot of younger kids, too. A lot of my theater were were kids that definitely were not alive 
when yeah. NWA was popular. How were y'all's theaters? Like, were they active, full, loud? Yeah, um, full, packed, uh, really into bunch it. Bunch of nodding heads. Yeah, mine was yeah. packed. Yeah, it was. Well, and it's funny to, to be watching a movie and, you know, you see a character coming up with the melody to nothing but a G thing, which, you know, I grew up with yeah, or cool. with California love, which doesn't seem that long ago, but now it's like a part of history and like, whoa, this is part of history. I guess it is. By the way, that scene when they did the California love music, when Dre's pressing that button and Tupac's talking back, that has to be his real voice that they must have had it on recording because it just looked dubbed in from the guy speaking behind the, the window. Yeah. Did you, did that cross your mind at all? I, I assumed that it was the real voices of everybody. Oh, it's also, yeah, right. I was assuming that too, especially when they were doing the full rap songs. Right. They were totally oh, right. dubbing in. Right. Because it was too, too on point. I was curious about that, but I just came to a conclusion that that was lip singing. And it was cool. Which is fine. It was cool to see like the, the Snoop Dogg cameo and the yeah, uh, Tupac yeah. cameo. They're, actually, let's, let's actually point out that, that Snoop Dogg cameo because that was done by Sheldon. Nope, nope. Uh, Keith Stanfield, who's in Short Term 12. He's one of the few actors on this list who's actually done something. Yeah. And I think that he's a pretty good little actor. He so. is a good little actor. I loved him in Short Term 12. Oh, he was great yeah. in that. Um, but this movie was so many different things. I think it was entertaining. The music was great, obviously. It was like this historical look. Um, you know, we, we already talked about, you know, how it coincides with, with the racial issues that are going on today and, of course, back then. Uh, but it was a fun movie to watch. Totally. There's a lot of good drama in it. There is a lot of comedy in it. Would your parents like it, though? See, that's a good question. How, many of, y'all, to... how many of your parent, friends' parents broke all their all their kids' CDs in the 90s. <laughs> uh, my, I had too many whose dads were breaking their CDs really? because it was rap music. No, my mom... Yeah. My dad just, didn't. I specifically remember, like, my mom walking by my room and I was playing, like, Sega Genesis and listening to, like, Rex in Effect and, <laughs> and, and NWA and, you know... What, as soon as she walked some... past the door, you switch yeah. it over to NWA? Yeah, because oh. yeah. I'd be embarrassed. What if my mom didn't think yeah. I was listening to Rex in Effect? I'm, I'm listening to the hard stuff, Mom. Well, I'm just but, curious. But no, my mom was cool with it. But she also let me watch Nightmare on Elm Street when I was 10. So, so. that's why I'm curious if this movie... Res- I, I really think it re- definitely resonates with the younger crowd. But will it resonate with the older generations, with anyone from their 40s and above? Um, you're 40, right? No, <laughs> there it is. <laughs> no, but, but you, know what I'm, you know what I'm saying. Will it reach an older audience? But, it, I mean, I think the numbers kind of say it in itself. It reached somebody because it, I think it did really well this weekend. Yeah. Uh, so, um, well, good, you know good what's for them. You know what's interesting, though, is Dre's 50 now. I mean, like, and these guys nuts. are right around 50 years old themselves. So, you know, we think of, like, oh, well, 50-year-olds like it. Well, I mean, this is, you know, if you're 50, you're the same age as NWA oh, at the time. Really That's true. Isn't that crazy? Yep. Oh, my god, That's weird. Cube uh, is, like, 47 or something. I mean, he's up yeah, there. Yeah, it's strange. Okay, let's. I want to ask you all about this. How do you think the acting was? I think the acting was good. Go ahead, Rachel. I, I, I agree with that, too. They did not just like, oh, you kind of look like this guy. We'll pick you. They actually really did cast these guys. I found out the other day that the guy, Corey Hawkins, who plays Dre, uh, he's actually a Juilliard graduate. And then Brandon told me that Easy son actually tried out to be Easy and wasn't good enough. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> he just a... wasn't convincing as Easy E. <laughs> they did hire him as a consultant for the guy who played Easy. Probably because he was like six foot five. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> no, they basically Ice Cube very nicely in an Ice Cube way said that he wasn't a good enough actor to do it. Hey, at least he was honest with them. <laughs> yeah, I, I thought that the the acting was kind of B rated at best, uh, B or C. I, I don't think it was that good. I, I thought O'Shea Jackson Jr. was. Maybe it was just because he looks so much like Ice Cube. I thought he was pretty good. And and that's because he grew up with his dad. He probably knows how his dad is, talks, yeah. and can do his right. mannerisms. Right. I thought he was good. I thought Corey Hawkins was a little boy scoutish for Dr. Dre. But then when they kind of showed those clips at the end of Dr. Day, Dr. Dre talking, I was like, maybe his voice was that high. Yeah. I think my biggest issue was the guy who played Suge Knight, R. Marcos Taylor. Um, I don't know if I just always assumed Suge Knight was like this deep voice, scary dude because he was like six foot five. Mm-hmm. But this guy, I thought, was terrible, just terrible. At really? Suge Knight. Really... He looked like him, but he drove me nuts. There were too many times. It was just there wasn't enough tension. There wasn't enough whatever. He can smoke on that on that cigar all he wants to, and keep his head, you know, bald shaved, just like Suge. But 
I mean, it just I, didn't quite work. I for will me. say he wasn't as intimidating a yeah. presence as he should have been, and that wasn't acting thing because he definitely he became looked a, a really big part of the storyline. Yeah. I did not even see that coming in the trailers. So little things. I'll tell you. Okay, so characters like Suge Knight. Uh, Warren G, Snoop Dogg, Tupac. I didn't even see that coming, which was actually uh, uh, great. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and I didn't have a problem with you know Keith Sanfield as Snoop Dogg, um, but I the R. Marcus Taylor, he he wasn't very good. And when you look at his resume, he hasn't done anything anyway. So at least they look like him, you know. <laughs> yeah, they did do a great job of picking people who looked like the actual character. And when oh, you're kind of, I'm sorry, I thought the Jason Mitchell guy was good too. Yeah, I, I actually, I think I he, he was. Good. I thought he was the best and, one. And he actually, I think. Yeah. I think he was the most natural. He had a natural charisma. Who played Easy? Was Easy he really like yeah. that? Like natural charisma and a nice guy. He he was definitely the most. I thought he was the biggest thug, but I <laughs> well, didn't he know he was anything. the biggest thug as okay. far as like he was the only one that was actually involved in like. True drug gangsta dealing. activities, like he was a drug dealer, and that's how he made his money. I had was no drug clue dealing. he fronted the money. I had no cube. Yeah. Ice Cube wrote all the songs. I knew yeah. Dre produced it. Yeah, but there's just so much I didn't know. Yeah. Anyway. Well, but he, but Easy was kind of like the most uh, funny, for lack of a better word. He was like kind of charming, funny, kind of the most lighthearted, even though he was the most gangsta at the same time. Well, I like Jason Mitchell for that. I thought he did a good job. Yeah, he did, and he looks a lot like Easy. He did. Yeah. 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 yeah he really does. Cruising down the street in my six four. Shit, that ain't it. <laughs> it really ain't. Hey, That's hey, Dre, you thing. gotta go if we gonna do this. Cube, you gotta go. Fuck out of here, yo. Nah, nigga, both of y'all. You talking to me? Bye. Go, Cube. And y'all, get the fuck me out too? of here, man. Yeah, so we can get this shit Write done. Write the song, Cube. Shut the fuck up, Cube. What Take these with you, Cube. Y'all, <laughs> yes, man, come on. You know what? Whatever. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Motherfucker. Come on, You finished, Dre? You want to laugh, too? <laughs> I stay in this bitch by myself. Hey, just say the words, all right? What does that even mean? Man, just say the shit with me, all right? Cruising. Cruising? Yeah, right. cruising. Right. Let's go. Dre, you know this shit ain't gonna never work. <laughs> all right, you're you trying to be funny, but you see how you said that shit, right? Like you believe it? Yeah, I believe that shit. Then say this shit like you believe it, man. Like it's a motherfucking Sunday and you cruising down Crenshaw in a motherfucking six four. Come on, say that shit like you believe it, man. Like it's your words. Feel that shit. <laughs> Stop playing around. Loosen the fuck up. There you go. <laughs> cruising down the street in my six four. Oh shit. Hey, that was dope, eh? That shit was dope, man. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about, man. But overall, like you, you mentioned that your friend thought, you know, it seemed kind of like a, uh, would you say, an after school special? He said it was a, uh, well, he basically said it was a made for TV movie. Made for TV movie. Uh, I can actually move that on and say it was a glorified made for TV movie that's R rated. But I'm, I'm perfectly fine with that because I thought it was well directed, uh, decently act. That's the part where it's kind of a made for TV ish. No, but it's a biography of a true story. You could say the same thing for American Sniper. See, that's and you know exactly. some other stories. That, that's so, the whole point so I was going to make. It's almost not fair that that's, that's that someone says that because they could technically say that about any true story. Right. Yeah. And I just think it you know maybe has that feel to him because of that. But I mean these things actually happened. Uh, I, I loved it. I thought it was a great mix of a bunch of different things. And in the end, it was all really entertaining. I was moved. I, I laughed, and I came away, you know, an even bigger NW fan, NWA fan than I already was, and I was already a pretty big one. It definitely gave me appreciation for the origins of rap. Like I've read stuff, and I'm aware of the feuds, and I'm kind of aware of what happened. But seeing it just spelt out like it was gave me a lot better appreciation of where it came from, what it meant to to them and to the group of people that I was really reaching. I mean, people who could relate to that kind of stuff. Like it gave me a really big appreciation for that. Cause when I think of like old school rap, I go back to like grandmaster flash or like and that Gil kind Gang. of stuff. But yeah. this was really but that like, was like fun. rap, Right. This was kind of an entirely new revolution of rap. And so it, once we got to this part of the history of rap, I with wasn't the exception real familiar of with the it. fresh prince. Yeah. <laughs> well, because you know, those other forms of rap and they were more fun and I love the, that rap, honestly, but this was, you know, and it covers it in the movie. This was the first time it, like their voices got heard. Like the people, you know, the struggle right. that they are actually going through, 
you know, in these inner cities and the things that they were, you know, Ice Cube has a great line in the movie and he says it in real life, you know, our art reflects our reality. I mean, that's all they were doing. They weren't necessarily meaning to start all this controversy that they started. No, they were just rapping about what they knew. That's well, what that's also probably why they could have reached so many teenagers as well because it's like, you know, screw the system, damn the man. Right. And that's why maybe they were able to reach such a large white crowd as well. Not just white, just all, all um, races. Races and yeah. whatnot. But it's. I just think it's a great snapshot, like you said, of the a very important part of musical history. Whether you like like rap music or not, and this is a specific kind of rap music, but it did open up the rap world, the hip hop world, you know, to this whole other. I mean, know, it, side. if you want to relate it in other terms, it's kind of what Nirvana did for rock. Yeah, there was already rock music. Right, but this was but, a whole different thing. This is right. something that people hadn't experienced before, and it was really revolutionary. And it does because because they were just talking about what they knew. Even even they were aware of like, okay, we're gonna have Easy E start this out because like Ice Cube was like, I don't even have a car. Like yeah. I, I can't rap this. I can write yeah. this, but I can't rap this. This is not real to me. So it made most sense to have Easy E do it. That was actually so, a question I had throughout the movie too. How hardcore were these guys? You know, Easy E, I'm fine with, but you know, just the lyrics that Ice Cube wrote. Did they start to think they lived it whenever they got a little tougher? No, it's, it's just where the, the, the you know, it's you. They were living. They were, you know, victimized by the police just for being black, just for walking around. They were in you know neighborhoods where drive-bys were a you know common occurrence. So even if they themselves weren't violent people. They were surrounded by violence. They were surrounded right. by police It's still their brutality. reality. Yeah, it's their reality, even if they weren't necessarily thugs or bad guys, for lack of a better word. Uh, Easy e was. Uh, the rest of them were just kind of like, you know, they lived in that. Well, even little things that are jarring to me as a middle-class white person, that he just walked out of his house and there's police everywhere, and he didn't really act like it was anything. He was just going to, like, he was just going to walk across the street or right. whatever. Like, oh, this is just common occurrence, and doesn't concern me and then of course they tried to arrest him anyway but uh just little things like that was really kind of a look at the other other side of life to me and it was really interesting and i'm glad that this is part of history like they had something to say and they said it and uh, it really resonated with people and i thought that was really cool i can get behind that there are a couple of lines i wrote down throughout it that i thought were really good especially when everything was going so well for like about an hour of the movie so it's like okay when's it gonna take a turn when's it gonna mm-hmm. go downhill and i thought Probably one of the greatest lines is when they ask Ice Cube, what does a guy from Compton do when he makes all this money? Yeah. <laughs> and you can kind of see everyone looked at each other. I think that really kind of sent a message there. And that's where like the battle of egos and power really kind of started, especially when right. Ice Cube walked up on uh, Ice uh, Easy e and um, Jerry, Jerry Heller. Um, Which is the... a fantastic scene. I really scene. like that, that scene because scene. it's like, oh, sorry right. to interrupt your lobster brunch, dude. I'll tell you, that's when <laughs> I, that's when I, the O'Shea Junior. Jack, you know, trying to show a little bit of acting chops, not just kind of acting like his dad. Right. It's like, it's like, oh, cool, finally a little bit of tension there because just the way he and Easy were just kind of looking at each other, uh, I thought that was a really cool scene. The, the I think the only other thing I really kind of bring up is Paul Giamatti. First off, how weird is it that he's the manager of both the Beach Boys and, and NWA? I thought the same thing, yeah. <laughs> and he's a jerk as both. Yes, I mean, yeah. and what I'm talking about is that he was uh, not really even a manager, but a psychiatrist of Brian Wilson and <laughs> earlier this year, Mercy and Lo- Love and Mercy. Mm-hmm. And of course, he's the manager of NWA in this movie. And mm-hmm. it's, it's he's the same character. I was actually getting to the point where I'm wondering if Paul Giamatti can only play the same character. <laughs> and it's kind of starting to annoy me. He was great in Sideways, though. Well, he was great in Sideways. And American Splendor. And American Splendor. American Splendor as the depressed balding fat guy. <laughs> but he wasn't a jerky depressed balding fat guy. In this. Would be ch- I could challenge that in Sideways. He sure yeah. was uh, bipolar. Anyway, yeah, I anyway. guess he was. But I thought Paul G. Money was just okay because we, we do need to kind of point him out a little bit as, you know, because he he's the bad guy in this movie, right? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Uh, I mean, because Easy and is sort of a bad guy, but not really. Easy isn't really. I don't put it on easy. Well, no, I don't he's, either. He's I don't more of the uh, just trying to be the nice guy, right? And uh, maybe <laughs> stay loyal to stay lo- stay loyal, and and that turns him into one. You know, I, I guess uh, the public perception was always that easy. He was kind of the bad guy. I think exactly because uh, Dr. Dre was so well loved, and of course Dre Day was what did that, right? Yeah, and so I I, I do think that uh, absolutely Jerry Heller has 
is the reason why NWA broke up and was. So you had you had read all this too? Oh yeah. Okay, I yeah. never even heard of them. Didn't even know. I even like things like when they were having that discussion, Ice Cube and Easy E in the club that they mentioned like, "Hey, this wasn't even fair to do to our fans, making them pick one side or the other." On this kind of thing, which oh, is something that you, they pointed that out. That's you awesome. wouldn't think about that. But if you think of your band and like one of your favorite bands and they broke up and you were forced to choose one side or the other, like this was a legitimate battle that was going on and you had to pick what like even little things like that. It's it's cool that they added that in there to show that they were conscious of like their fans and the people that were loyal to them. What's nuts is that that action in history is what defined rap for over a decade. Everyone always one of those feuds. And of course, maybe that is what sparked it between Tupac and a Notorious B.I.G. Yeah, it's, and of course, it's a other spillover. Isn't that crazy how history-wise, you know, that, that was almost expected. And we loved it as listeners for the drama. And But that's where my issues with rap now comes with how much I loved with rap then. Because yeah. It's, well, we can say it's come a long way. I think it's taken 10 steps back oh, personally. Yeah. Because, and the same thing you can say for country, because at least with both those genres, you can hear a story being told, whether it's from the streets or from the country. And then now everything's, of course, I'm going to get into like a music run here because we'll probably all have the same opinion because it's just, it's all terrible. Now, you got to wonder if the producers, though, especially when it comes to rap, are doing this on purpose because they want to keep it more about dance scenes and champagne bottles and money and all that. As opposed to what I would rather hear, which just seems to be a more personal song right, to the yeah, person right. singing. Uh, absolutely. Well, and that's I'll the same way. Like, look, there, NWA, I can go for about an hour on. Well, like NWA, they were, you know, their art reflected their reality. Is Drake's art reflecting his reality? Come on. <laughs> no. I mean, like, I mean, that's the whole difference. You know, maybe technologically, we've made a lot of advances in music, supposedly. And if you listen to NWA, maybe you could argue that it sounds dated or whatever compared to what's out there now. Uh, I can tell but, you, I listened to that. I, I just saw the movie today, and I listened to NWA the entire hour and a half before this. And you yourself said since you watched the movie, you've been doing nothing but listening to... Yeah. I mean, I love listening to old school rap. I can listen oh, yeah, to it almost any time. Uh, and I don't think it's dated at all. Yeah, I don't either. I mean, I think some people might think so, but... Regardless of, of what you think it sounds like, the fact that they're actually these songs are coming from a real place makes all the difference to me. And I know that the artist is, you know, living it makes all the difference to me. So there we go. Straight out of content. Anything else? I, I It sounds like we all love the movie. Uh, I'm glad that it's doing so well. And uh, it's just kind of cool to see this. This piece of rap history done so well as movie. I'm really curious to see. Last thing I'll say, if it gets uh, any Academy Award nominations, you know it's got 89 percent at Rotten Tomatoes. Critics love it. Audiences really love it. I don't. Uh, and it it's will. making a lot of money. But it could. I don't. I don't know that it will. Acting wise, it won't unless they want to reward Paul Giamatti, which would be ironic. No, that I, I don't see anything coming out of this except for maybe a screenplay. Um, you know, Dre came out with a new album supposedly for this movie. Right, inspired by the movie. Inspired by it, but I haven't listened to any of it yet. So, you know, maybe he could get nominated for something. I don't see this getting nominated. Just I, just be with what's coming out this fall, I, I just kind of, I, I would be surprised. I'll say that as much as I enjoyed it as well, but maybe just more for nostalgic reasons. It, uh, I think it has a shot at it just because there's they can nominate so many people in Best Picture now. And there's been... I mean, the, if the Blind Side can get nominated, then Straight Outta Compton can get nominated. Right. I mean, that that was a well received by the public and by well, and American alike. Sniper. That's exactly how I felt about that's true. That's because that's that's where I was going to go. Well, American Sniper What's, came out at the right time of the year. It did. It did. It, did. it came out for later, sure. for sure. Uh, but I, I do think that was the exact point I was going to make because critics and audiences liked it so much. Was American Sniper a great movie? I personally don't think so. I thought no. it was overrated. That was overrated for what the buzz it got, even right. though it was still a good movie. Right. But I feel like maybe, and like maybe that, maybe that's how. Even though I love this much more than I did American Sniper, I think maybe it could be that kind of the same effect uh, because this is going to be so well liked by audiences and critics and make a lot of money. And it and it does have. The Academy Awards love biopics, and they love like real slices of life, and this does cover a lot of topical issues. So we'll see. I have one thing to to include, and I'll go first, just to be fair. Off the top of your head, who is your favorite rapper? And if you can think about it, what is your favorite song? 
So personally, mine was always Tupac. And my favorite song, especially, was always uh, I'd Rather Be a N-I-G-G-A. <laughs> that's, a great, that's a great question. Because that's the best rap album of all time is All Eyes on Me, in that's, my opinion. Oh, man. That's, is that fair to ask you that question? That's a really difficult question. Well, I'll tell you what. We, we're going to talk about news here shortly. So if y'all want to think on it, we can come back to it by the yeah, end of it and maybe give the listener something to look yeah. forward to. I need to look through my playlist, but that's... I, I have some, but yeah, keep listening. Uh, I, Ice Cube's uh, uh, It Was a Good Day is also like one of my top two or three. It's a fantastic song. song. Yeah. <laughs> that's something I, to think about for the gonna, next 30, it's 40 gonna be, It's going to be hard to pay attention to what you guys are saying now. <laughs> so it is the part of the show, though, though, where we talk about what we've been watching this week, uh, whether that be TV, movies, trailers, whatever. Jacob, what have you been watching this week? Uh, I watched a bunch of old movies for the most part this week, so I'll kind of run through a couple of them. Uh, we have talked about some of them lately, so I won't talk too much about it. Um, the first is uh, I did watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles for the nice. first time in a couple years. Um, since we spoke so much about, you know, it seems like Steve Martin's coming up almost every single podcast, know, which is so kind of funny. But uh, I just paid more attention to their relationship, and I just want to become more familiar with this movie because I'm tired I of people... It. Loving it so much, and I like it a lot. I just want to love it too, and, and I look forward to, to continue to watch it throughout the years to come. So did you? But before you move on, did you did you like it? Oh, no, oh, absolutely. Like, did you like it more? Still, than still getting more and more things. Okay. You know, I I didn't remember the um, Steve Martin dropping the f bombs all over the place because of the rental car scene uh, until so y'all good. brought it up that podcast a couple oh, back. So, I love so, it good. so much. Um, I just want to have movies like this memorized better, so I can really hold my own in some of our you know conversations. Yeah, <laughs> I just you know I think some of these are kind of important in a way yeah especially if you're gonna host co-host a movie podcast <laughs> yeah. um i watched wrath of Khan last night really um, you know it was just kind of there and we just talked about you know star trek the 2009 jj Ab- abrams version and um you know it is dated because <laughs> everyone always says oh wrath of Khan, the wrath of Khan. look it is dated but it's still an enjoyable star trek movie if you're going to watch one of the older ones, watch that one. Or it was a Star Trek Six, the uh, um, something about the country. Yeah, anyway, <laughs> watch that one too. That was pretty good. The third movie I watched was Reservoir Dogs because um, nice. we talked about it, and yes. it's still fantastic. Gosh, I love it's Reservoir fantastic. Dogs. Just the dialogue is amazing. Yeah. I really, this was just kind of the way it happened, and I'm kind of glad it did in a way. I just happened to watch Selma this weekend. And I thought, wow, what an interesting movie to watch. Yeah. The same weekend we kind of go over <laughs> NWA. Because I hadn't seen Selma yet, and I've been wanting to watch it. And I'm assuming both of you all have. Yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah. I, did a, I did a terrible job of like watching Oscar movies this year. And I always try to watch them before the Oscars happen. And, and there are just half of them I hadn't gotten to yet. It was just busy last year. Um, I really enjoyed Selma. I thought it was a good story of Martin Luther King Jr. There are a lot of things I didn't know about him, especially his promiscuity. Um, I did a little bit of research on that, um, and I honestly didn't really know the story of Selma or Bloody Sunday at all. Mm. If I had seen images of it, you know, it could have just been a montage of videos. Right. And uh, it was very interesting as far as the movement go went. Sorry. Um, so, how do you say this the right way when we discuss Selma and NWA in the right, you know, Rights have gone have come a long way, mm-hmm. and though we're still dealing with a lot of tension in the country right now, you know it's a it was a whole lot better than what it was then. And look, and I love twelve I love Twelve Years a Slave. That was my number one movie when it came out uh, two, two years ago. Yeah, and uh, we have made some progress, no doubt. But I'll tell you what what a lot of African Americans have been through in this country. It's just <coughs> terrible. Mm-hmm. And when you whether you talk about Twelve Years a Slave, especially, and then you move forward to a movie like Selma and you know the civil rights movement, and how important that's been, <laughs> you know that makes you just more more so enjoy movies like N.W. or you know Straight Outta Compton, mm-hmm. um, because look, it, it, I'm not going to glamorize you know living on the streets and what comes of being you know a thug on the streets. I don't, I don't know how else to say that. Because um, I know it's not easy, and they have not had an easy life. But just kind of interesting watching these. It's just interesting as far as history goes. Watching these movies, I really enjoyed Selma. The last thing I want to bring up was it? Did anything you want to add to that? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool. Well, I'm on board. Um, the last thing I want to bring up 
And I am just shocked at I am shocked at this. Have you all watched Peaky Blinders on Netflix? I tried to watch it. Misty and I watched like the first ten minutes of the first episode, and I just wasn't. Wasn't your thing? Uh, I really? Just didn't, well, but again, I only watched ten minutes of it, oh. so I'm not a good. Sometimes we'll do that. We'll we'll put on a new show just to kind of see if it hooks. Oh, I've us. had plenty of those on Netflix and, for sure. And I ten minutes. I was like, eh, let's move on to something else. But it, I haven't even tried it. No, it it just doesn't look that interesting well, to me. But so it could be all. good. Uh, I didn't think so at all. Um, so Peaky Blinders is basically, I'm just going to read the description of it uh, on IMDb. It's a gangster family epic set in 1919 Birmingham, England, and centered around a gang, uh, on a gang who sew razor blades in their peaks of their caps and their fierce boss, Tommy Shelby. This is a terrible description now that I'm reading it. <laughs> because the, the gang is a family of brothers who are Irish and they live in London. And it stars Cillian Murphy, who I think we best know him as the Scarecrow in Scarecrow. The Dark Knight. Yeah, I like um, Cillian Murphy. And I don't know much about him. I thought he was good in that movie. But any other thing I've ever seen him in, as far as like a poster, a movie poster, is like, nah, I'm just not in the mood to watch <laughs> this guy. Confusingly attractive. I don't know if he's attractive or not. He has odd facial... He's got very sharp... I, I think he's a good-looking dude, honestly. I, I go back and forth. I, well... I, I don't know. I just know that apparently on the <laughs> poster board, it's not enough for me to watch the movie or the TV show. So I always avoided Peaky Blinders. To me, it's like, oh, one more show Netflix has put out. But the biggest thing I'm I'm just surprised at are the, the sets. The sets for this TV show, because it's set like right after World War One, are amazing. I'm talking coal factories. And obviously, they're going to some old places in London and filming this. But the production pieces are fantastic but blows my mind it's really well directed there's some beautiful shots especially especially in the first couple of episodes and it's a chance that you could have seen it in the first episode even that first 10 minutes you watched where the the blonde girl in the green dress is walking down the street and there's like coal ashes kind of floating down yes, like snow i remember that and yeah. it's a beautiful shot so yeah. it's really well directed and these characters are they're fun they're funny they're they're also angry like in a martin scorsese like bloody really oh my gosh there's there's some violent scenes in it and i mean some anger like coming out in these characters and it makes it really fun to watch i was shocked it's only six eight episodes the first season is only eight episodes now get this tom hardy is in the second season season yeah it is it's six episodes sorry yeah but so it's not like you have to watch you know a you know a full season like 24 episodes or something so i am totally jacked to watch it now i'm trying to do what i do and pull back and not completely binge watched you know 20 right. seasons but i can't wait to watch the second season i was just blown away by the first season all right it like hasn't really won shot. any emmys or anything like that it has won a bafta and it's been nominated for several several baftas since the british awards check it out kind of give it a shot more than you know just okay. 10 minutes i don't blame you why you hadn't watched it yet because i definitely want to judge a book by its cover mm-hmm. but if you like uh you know period piece movies which i do Rach, I'm not sure if you'll like it, to be honest. Because I know you like period pieces. Right. Just give it a shot. It, I, I really enjoyed it. It's like a violent Pride and Prejudice. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's better than that. And there's some just, it's just, I think it's a good story written real well. There's some cool, cool twists in it. Okay. I'm going to give it a shot then because I was curious about it enough to, to give it a shot. I just didn't get hooked, but... But uh, I might give it another go then, based on your recommendation. Apparently, there's I just I didn't know this. I just just now saw this. There's a top fifty two hundred and fifty TV list now. Did y'all know that? That was actually <laughs> something I was going to bring up. It's, I, number, yeah, it's number ninety I, on there. If that holds any water. <clears throat> oh, does it? That's interesting. No, that is interesting. At least. No, I actually posted on my Facebook this week because it just came out a few days ago, oh. uh, earlier this week. The IMDb top two hundred and fifty. Which is, you know, for our podcast, and there's, you know, I immediately, of course, go through and just judge it, like, uh, good and bad. Mm -hmm. But no, it's, we'll cover that top 250, and and one of these days we'll make a list about our most overrated and, you know, underrated. TV shows? I'm totally cool with that. Real quick, because I just caught this. I got to point out Sam Neill. He's the bad guy in this TV show. Awesome bad guy. He's Irish, too, because, you know, he's from Australia. Has an awesome Irish accent. I would have never thought, like, it's... (laughs) It's no Ian McKellen and Deadwood, but he's definitely a cool bad guy. Sweet. That's what I'm going to say. Okay. Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Rachel, what have you watched this week? 
Not a whole lot, but I did start watching uh, Sunday Night Kicked Off Show Me a Hero, the miniseries, on HBO, starring my favorite Oscar Isaac. I am really, really jealous. Uh, they actually released two episodes on Sunday, so you can watch the first two episodes. I haven't got to yet. And it's basically, I mean, they say this in all the descriptions, so I'm going to go ahead and spoil it for you, but it's not that big of a spoiler. He's elected mayor in this really pivotal time in New York where basically before he was elected, it was decided that they're going to have to put lower income housing somewhere in this area um, in Yonkers, I think. And so the problem is the white people don't want the lower income. Like these are all snobby white people and they don't want lower incoming ha- income housing in their area. But the deal is if they don't start putting these in, then they're going to the city is start is going to be fined. So they have to make a decision and they have to make it fast. And he's basically elected on the principle of like, Hey, I'm going to give you guys a say on where these go. And then he gets outvoted and he doesn't get to follow through on his promise that he was basically elected for. Um, so it puts him in a really weird position, but this was a huge event in history and caused a lot of racial issues and, and violence and things like that because of them putting these people into an area where people didn't really want them and they didn't necessarily want to go anyways. They didn't really have a choice. So that's kind of what it covers. It's, I believe it's going to be six episodes and the first two are already out. So I definitely recommend watching it. I haven't watched all the second episode yet, but the first episode uh, starts off a little bit slow and then gets really good by the end of it. And there's a lot of um, big name actors in there. Obviously, I just said Oscar Isaac, but let me get this real quick. I mean, I've been pumped about this show ever since I read about it, just because the people behind it. I mean, Oscar Isaac, I'm a big fan of, too. It's directed by Paul Haggis. Paul Haggis, a former Scientologist. (laughs) Former Scientologist. Winona Ryder is in it. Shane from Walking Dead, John Barenthal is in it. Alfred Molina is in it. Yeah, Doc Uh, Ock. Doc Ock. I know him as a guy who gets shot by all the arrows at the beginning of uh, Indiana Jones. (laughs) Weirdly, James Belushi is in it, which I haven't seen in forever. That's so Uh, so weird. It looks like he's been tanning too much. Yes, it does. (laughs) Catherine Keener is in it. So Uh, a really solid cast. It's really well directed, and so far, one episode in, I I love it. I'm I'm pumped about. I'll the check show. that out for sure. Oh, I I I'm actually I'll be completely honest. I just forgot it premiered. How I, dare I've been, you? I've been looking forward to it, and I just completely dropped the ball on that. I've been I've been pumped about it. Well, catch up, Brandon, and catch up, Jacob. <laughs> oh, I will. Brandon, what have you been watching this week? Uh, you know, I've. Uh... I watched a documentary about Big Bird, the guy that plays Big Bird, and it's just called I Am Big Bird, the Carol Spinney story. Didn't we talk about this a month ago? Did we? Not that you watched it, but that you wanted to. Possibly. Along those lines. Possibly. Possibly. I've been wanting to watch this documentary. Did you watch the, the, the Elmo one? Yeah. Which was interesting, especially now after a lot of these accusations right. have come out. Yeah. Hey, my only is accusations anymore. I think it's... Yeah, uh, yeah I don't yeah. think that's going to happen with Carol Spinney, though. Okay. Yeah, Carol Spinney, he, he's been playing Big Bird for 40 years, ever since. Isn't that crazy? Uh, it's nuts. The same guy the yeah. whole time. And it, it's it's a cool... Like, I'm not going to say it's um, r- really uplifting or moving documentary or anything like that or should win any awards, but if you've ever watched Sesame Street, which you have, and you've ever enjoyed Big Bird, which you have... Uh, then you should watch it because it's it's a heartwarming documentary. It's it just is. a it's feel good. Cute. Oh, this is sweet, and the guy that plays him is sweet and is a good guy. Uh, but you know, it humanizes him. You know, did obviously. my Lego brickumentary inspire the Sesame? Maybe Street it did. Maybe it did actually. Yeah, which I still need to watch. But yeah, it's it's definitely worth the watch. I I enjoyed it. Yeah, he kind of had a rough past. Yeah, he but, did. But really interesting guy and really likable and all those things. And you learn about Jim Henson in the process, too, and what a good dude he was. That was really cool to hear. Like, I'd always heard that Jim Henson was a good dude, but it's it's nice to hear it firsthand from a lot of the people that were really involved. How excited are you all that they're doing a new Muppet show on, like, ABC? So excited. I'm I'm actually jacked about this, especially for the younger generation. Yeah, me too. That's that's really cool they're doing that. so cool. And did you hear that um, HBO picked up Sesame Street? 
Did they really? How's that even work? Because PBS was saying that they weren't going to be able to carry it anymore because they can't afford to produce it. So HBO picked it up and they're still going to air it on PBS. Basically, they're just picking up the tab for them. And they're going to air it on HBO HBO as well, but they're still giving it to PBS. That's awesome. So kudos to HBO. Good job, HBO. That's awesome. Because Sesame Street cannot go away. No. That's That's a... that would be outcry. That would be hor- like podcasts and twenty four hundred need to be talking about Sesame Street. Yes, and Carol Spinning will probably still be Big Bird. The only other thing I want to talk. <laughs> <laughs> the only thing I want to talk about uh, was oh, before I forget though, uh, if you only get one thing from that documentary, the way that he controls mm-hmm. Big Bird's mouth and eyeballs and and watches the screen and reads a script. And moves and sees all at the same time is incredible. Insane. Yeah. Okay, but the only other thing I want to talk about was a trailer for this movie called The Witch. Have you guys heard of it? I no. saw it was trending today, but I didn't trending watch it. Trending today, yet. so I was curious about it. I'd read a little bit about this movie a week ago because it's like it was like all the buzz at Sundance. It was like the fan favorite of Sundance. People saying it's like the scariest movie in years. Uh all this buzz coming out, the reviews on it uh, have been like, oh, this is terror, like you've never seen it. It's starting to already get like this, remember that buzz that Blair Witch Project got, you know, like, like, oh, have you heard of Blair Witch Project? Right. All I'm hearing is all these great things. It's kind of like that. It's it's basically, it, it doesn't arrive in theaters until next year, but the trailer just debuted and uh, everybody's buzzing about it. It's a, it takes place right before the Salem Witch Trials. And it kind of covers this one family in, in New England who, you know, kind of – one of them – there's some witchy stuff going on. <laughs> <laughs> you make it sound so scary, Brandon. But, like, all the headlines I saw today are like, uh, this is the scariest trailer you'll see this month or, you know, like all these, like, you know, clickbait That's headlines. That's what I saw pop up uh, well. But they're from legit sources like, yeah, like Time EW and USA and Today and yeah. stuff. Uh, yeah, and EW. So, anyways, really cool trailer. Uh, you should definitely check it out. It looks freaky. Uh, there, Lisa Aaron from Game of Thrones is one of the actors there's, in it. There's nobody in this movie. No one that I yeah, recognize. She's anyway. like the headliner. Like She was the only person I recognized. The weird breastfeeder? Uh, Kate Dickey. Yeah, the weird <laughs> breastfeeder. Yeah. yeah, the one that got shoved down the hole. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you said that, Rach. That's awesome. <laughs> That's what I was always for. like, awkward. <laughs> But yeah, but you know the writer director. It's it's total indie, total indie. But the studio that's uh, picked it up is A twenty four, and uh, they've been doing a lot of like really good movies. They They're have this, been like weird total indie uh, studio that's been putting out some really good movies that I'm going to tell you about. And Jacob's <laughs> gonna, Jacob's going to. Oh, they did Ex Machina. He's going to edit this. I'm not going to edit this. <laughs> Yeah, okay, I might edit some of it. Yeah, this is this is long. So yeah, this A24 Studios, they brought us Ex Machina, uh, Amy, the documentary, the end of the tour that's about to come out, Slow West, While We're Young, A Most Violent Year. So a lot of really good movies. Tusk uh, that they've been putting out. So it's kind of a, uh, a new studio to look out for. They've got a lot of good movies out. Anyways, The Witch, check out the trailer. Real quick, um... Did you all finish um, True Detective? You, we, yeah. You both did. I, I finally did also. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, what a waste. Yeah, it was a bummer, <laughs> wasn't it? Yeah. It was just so I much. Think, I think you even said like you thought the last episode was a good one, but I'm not even sure if I thought it was that. I just thought it was like, in the end, really just terrible dialogue throughout the entire show and kind of wasted wasted opportunities. Yeah. Especially the way the characters ended. I'll just leave it at that without spoiling it. Yeah, I agree. And and as far as the dialogue is concerned, I feel like he struck gold with Russ Cole, Matthew McConaughey's character in that he spoke in a certain way and spoke with these big words, but it you know, the combination of the writing being better in the first season and Matthew McConaughey, you know, creating this I'm not sure I could put it on character. the actors in this one. I, no, no, I, I just no. think the writing was re- that, like, really I take a step back. That's what I was going to say. I think, I think he tried to recreate what he had with Russ Cole, gotcha. the writer, and I think that it just failed miserably. He tried to give all these characters this dialogue that was like everything was like so big and dramatic and wordy and some of those scenes with Vince Vaughn and his wife can't oh, remember the name terrible. are just brutal. Kelly just Ryan. brutal. Yeah. 
horrible. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, so there you go. That is Pulp Fiction. Be sure to check out Straight Outta Compton if you haven't. Uh, just a fantastic movie. Uh, if you don't see it, we will label you a racist here at this podcast. That's okay. I'm just kidding. Cut that out. Cut that out. <laughs> I don't want this no to like, come out like... It's, like... it's like saying something like Alzheimer's. Which, by the way, his wife had breast cancer. Or no, just cancer of some kind. Oh, yeah. Rick Moranis. Uh, yeah, Rick Moranis. I'm just going to edit all this out. Yeah, just... <laughs> fart, fart, fart. That way we can make sure that you cut it out. There's no way you can leave that in. That's So thank you for listening to Pulp Fiction this week. Be sure to tune in next week where we might, for the first time on our show, for the first time on our show, we might uh, dip back into the archives and review an older film because there's absolutely nothing opening this coming weekend. Straight Outta Compton was kind of the last of the major, you know, summer releases that were going to be any good. So we'll probably have to wait till September or October for any other good ones to come out. Thank you for tuning in, and be sure to listen to our other podcasts where we talk. Where we it's the same podcast, it's a different episode, though. Be sure to listen to our other episode. <laughs> part, part, part. <laughs> and be sure to listen to our top five episode where we count down, inspired by Straight Out of Compton, our top five musicians turned actors. Thanks for listening. Bye bye.